0: Okay, Andrew, here we are yet again doing a breaking news story in 2023. It's just been a massive year for this kind of thing. And today it's uh, to announce the launch of iMan's brand new professional racing series in 2024. Can you tell me all about it? Sure,
1: so, so it's a calendar year program. The first race will be in Oceanside in April. The last race will be in Topa in New Zealand in December. Uh, it's a points-based race across 18 events those a professional athlete on the basis of their performance at those events will be eligible to win the existing prize money at each of those races and also earn series points based on whether it's a world championship, an Ironman, or an Ironman 70.3 race. And over the course of the year, The athlete with the most points and the top 10 athletes will earn prizes. The first place person will earn 200,000 US dollars. And in addition to what they earn from prize money from the races in which they compete. um, An athlete can race as much as they want to, but only five scores will count of which three can be Ironman races. So, the, the races are split between the Ironman distance and Ironman 70.3. So, the idea is, is to provide incentives for people to race more with us, incentives to concentrate on the Ironman distance. And we think this is going to be super attractive to a tier of athletes who have really focused the bulks of their career on not just 70.3, but 70.3 and,
0: and Ironman. So tell me, is this just a direct response to the PTO and Ironman's way of saying, hey, we're going to go head-to-head with the PTO? Well, look, I, I think that
1: what we've seen, particularly in 2023, is that the preeminent athletes in our sport are racing sort of within our ecosystem less than we'd like. And and we see quite a bit of... Uh, a behavior which is perfectly appropriate for the professionals, by the way. And I want to be super clear about that. Where athletes will race with us to be able to qualify for our world championships. They'll race in our world championships. And then the rest of their calendar, they will race in other series, whether that be the Super League or Challenge or the PTO. And and frankly, I think we, we would like to get a, a larger share of our top athletes sort of racing, um, calendar and, and it's a good time to be a pro and there's lots of uh, opportunities and alternatives out there. And, and we'd like to make our own ecosystem, um, one that's more attractive to, to professional athletes.
0: And so it's like all 1000 or or roughly a thousand professional athletes under your banner are eligible to race.
1: Anyone can race. There's no restrictions. As long as you're a member of our professional ecosystem, you, you are eligible to compete. And anyone who competes in any of these races can score in score points.
0: So we get to Oceanside at the start of the year, and there's a thousand pros who want to do that. How do we pick who races?
1: Our pro services team will manage that process. Uh, it won't be a thousand but there will be hopefully strong demand for that race. And we'll determine the number of pros we can accommodate by the specifics of the race course uh, and our ability to have a safe and fair race for our professionals.
0: Do you have an idea in your head and do the team have an idea in their head of what might be the capped number of participants?
1: At Oceanside? Off the top of my head, I don't know.
0: And so with this, As the year goes on, will you have a ranking system that we can all go and check and we'll know, Hey, who's in the lead? Who's 50th? Who's a hundredth? Absolutely.
1: That'll be that, that will starting with Oceanside and then going on to Texas and then St. George, Mallorca, et cetera. There will be an evolving annual or or an evolving real-time ranking of our athletes that will hopefully, um, be something that uh that really encourages our athletes to to race with us and to race more frequently
0: and so how do we figure out w- when it comes to who's going to be in what race if if we, if say if 150 people enter but then 120 of them pull out with the week to go because they've entered all 18 of these races um because the entry system hasn't changed like you can just you're signing up like you would any other iron man or Ironman 70.3 event So how do you, how do you, you, obviously you foresee those problems. How do we prevent them? Well, I think one of the things
1: that we're going to be able to do is even though a thousand professionals is a big number, the number of people who race with us frequently is considerably smaller than that. And to the extent that there are athletes who demonstrate a consistent pattern of signing up for races and then not showing up or signing up for races and canceling a day or two days or three days beforehand uh, we'll have a prioritization system that puts uh, an extra onus on sort of appropriate professional behavior that is consistent with our athlete code of conduct
0: and because this this race series is in my opinion, pretty clearly a response to the, the marketplace and competition with, within professional Ironman or professional triathlon at the moment. Will you guys start to compete in other ways? Like, hey, let's, let's chuck more money into broadcast. Let's focus on, on the coverage of this, these 18 races, really make those a showcase of Ironman and Ironman 70.3 racing.
1: Well, I, our intention is for all the races to be broadcast and to be broadcast at a high standard. Uh, we we think that will be compelling for the professional athletes. We think it will be compelling for the age groupers, for the host communities, for our partners. And and we really want to use these races to celebrate, you know, really dynamic triathlon and Ironman culture. And the races that we chose are, are all races that's, that we think have the ability to really be an excellent, powerful showcase for not just for pro racing, but, but for age group racing as well.
0: And where will you be broadcasting them? Will it be on outside? Like it usually is, will it be on YouTube? Will it be on Facebook somewhere else? There'll be, there'll be a range of different opportunities, but all of which will be made available
1: on a free and ungated basis.
0: So let's talk about the decision to make this happen. You're investing a lot of money. Um, it's it's a big investment into pro racing. Is it purely as a response to the PTO, or is there another reason? Like obviously, this money doesn't come from nowhere. Have you had the money in the past, or did you have to go and get it this year? How's that all worked? Well, we're we're making an investment. This is an investment for us, and
1: this is this is an incremental 1.7 million dollars plus whatever we put. That that's just in what we're paying the pros. Um, I think this is important for us to. Put Ironman and Ironman 70.3 on the front foot. In particular, in, in terms of sort of elevating the sport and and creating the type of environment that we really think makes triathlon culture unique and and you see that at races around the world and and not just our races you know our our friend felix in southern germany does a remarkable job at creating like a powerful showcase for our sport and and we we do as well all around the world and we want to do more of that and and we think that it is a opportunity for us to be able to tell the story of our sport in a way that is more compelling and is more likely to bring new people into our sport and bring old people back into our sport.
0: A few specifics, Andrew, the pros love the 20 meter draft rule. It's, it's in the other big organizations. Now, will that come into this 18 race series? So,
1: so let, let me put that aside vis-a-vis the series and just talk directly about that. You know, we met earlier this week here in Kona with, uh, representatives from the PTO's Athlete Commission: R- Ruth Astle and Laura Sadal, Matt Hansen, Dylan McNeese, and and we talked about sort of rules and and how to be thinking about the management of rules within sort of the context of the broader global environment. I think, as you know, most of our races are are governed under the Joint World Triathlon Ironman Long Distance rules. And and I think we're absolutely prepared to undergo an an open evaluation of whether those rules are still appropriate um, and and whether they need to be modified. In particular, as it relates to the 20 meter draft zone, I think there's a very interesting, important conversation that needs to take place that we're prepared to be a part of um, along with professional athletes or age group athletes, world triathlon, and any good faith participant in our ecosystem. Um, but it isn't a trivial or or simple analysis. And, and when you think of the 20 meter draft zone, it's understanding what are the potential second and third order implications of a rule change what is the impact on slotting in what's the impact on passing what's the impact on a range of different sort of competitive dynamics is all work that to the best of our knowledge has never been done and so i think while we're absolutely open to evaluate whether the rules make sense i think there needs to be a formal and structured process to determine whether 12 or 20 or some other number is is the right answer in In terms of managing drafting, but I was super clear we're we're prepared to be a part of that process and are and are prepared to to take a hard look at our rules and and see if there are some that need to be modified
0: yeah. and I guess if we get a like a a global rule system where all you big players have the same rules, then it makes officiating easier, no matter where you are in the world. And then like we, we might not be faced with a situation where it's the Ironman 70.3 world championships. There's a battle for first, second and third in the end of year standings and a silly penalty that everyone is, you know, arguing about and causes controversy Decides who wins $200,000 first, first say $80,000 i guess that's that like that whole thing that we sort of experienced the last couple of years that would be prevented by this as well
1: well well look i i think there's always going to be a need for officiating there's always going to be a need for people who follow the rules to be protected um from people who aren't following the rules either inadvertently or not um but but i think that what what everybody wants, what we want, what the overall Ironman community wants, what professional and age group athletes want, is for there to be clear rules and consistent enforcement. And so, so we're we're committed to that, and um, and and that'll be that's something that uh, that we are prepared to to invest time and effort into. With again. Anyone in in good faith, and and we've always done that with World on and and we hope to be able to um, to continue that.
0: I've got so many more questions, but we're a bit time poor today. No doubt, we'll do a bit of a longer podcast some stage later in the year to to mm-hmm. go into detail about it. But uh, the last couple of questions before I let you go here. So, how did you pick the eighteen races that you have picked? So I
1: so we we picked a lot of our regional championship races. Uh, we looked carefully at regions where are professional athletes based and and where do they want to race and then we looked quite consciously around sequencing and and so you know you'll notice when you look at the calendar that western australia 70.3 is one of the 70.3 races and that it is in the lead up to the ironman 70.3 world championship race in topa and so it it's not a coincidence that that in the lead up to 70.3 worlds we put a qualifying or a series race in australia we think a large proportion of our athletes will be down in that part of the world and and yes i do recognize that western australia and new zealand are not close to each other at least by Standards of uh, of 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 those of us in the northern hemisphere, <laughs> but they're kind of close to each other for, for those of us in uh, in in Europe and North America. But we're trying to to create opportunities for people to be able to sequence their training. You know, there's there's Europe. There's two 70.3 races in the lead up to the women's world championship in Nice, Oceanside's a few weeks before. Um, Oceanside's a few weeks before Ironman Texas. Majorca is a few weeks before the Women's World Champion European Championship in Hamburg. So, so we looked, you know, from a different a number of different angles at at how do we create an environment that will be as convenient as possible for our professional athletes, where they have the ability to do multiple races sort of in in the same cycle.
0: And then my last question, and and maybe it's a little bit controversial, but I sort of have to ask it. Is, not, is, not you, Jack. Is, not controversy. <laughs> is the is the outcome that's like best for Ironman Man here if the PTO go away because your series is so successful? Look, I, I think, I think you know the PTO hasn't haven't announced their twenty four series yet.
1: Um, I, I think there's a lot of rumors about you know what those races are going to be and when they're going to be, but our expectation is that our athletes are going to do a bunch of those races, and and. And while we don't, you know, we're not going to offer contracts to athletes. We're not going to like try to lock people up and and create an obligation for them to to do a certain number of races. We understand that that some athletes will go down that path. Some athletes maybe won't, repre- won't represent to to do a large number of races, but might do some. And and so we we want our series to be able to work in, if not in harmony, at least not in discourse with that because, you know, the professional athletes are our ambassadors and we don't want to put them in a position where it is overly difficult for them to make their livings or for them to feel that they have to make fundamental choices about, you know, are they on one team or another team? We want people to, to be able to move independently and freely between race series to the extent that they choose to do so.
0: I think we're out of time, Andrew. Seriously, I've got a hundred more questions. Um, We, we need to jump on maybe sometime after Kona's finished and talk about the race at the women's Ironman world championships, which is amazing. And you know, this news might overshadow a little bit, but looking forward to that race this weekend and, and go way deeper with you on the, on lots of little intricacies with this series, because it's a great thing. It's an exciting thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm personally super excited about it. I love, I fucking love that you've come to the table with this because I was a little bit worried in a way that you weren't going to do anything and that, you know, yeah, I I thought we might have been losing some professional racing within Ironman. And you know how much I love Ironman and and always have. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm stoked that you've made the decision to go, well, maybe what the PTO are doing does have some merit. Let's 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 jump on board and do our own thing and go back to our roots of qualification systems, point systems, competitive races, where the best are racing the best mm. multiple times a year. I, I think it's all great. So yeah, well done on stepping up and thanks once again in, in 2023 for coming on and, and doing the exclusive podcast with me. I feel like we're making a real habit of it now. So yeah, thanks, mate.
1: Thanks, Jack. Talk to you soon, mate. See ya, mate.